Imagine if you could sit down at your desk in the morning, piping hot coffee in hand, you could pop open your laptop, double click on a document on your desktop that says life plan, so you could check on what's happening this week, this month, or even this year. Well, I wanna help you create that plan. Let's spend five days together making a roadmap for your future so that you can live all the rest of your days on purpose. Yes, you can own the future that's coming your way. The five-day Own Your Future Challenge is absolutely free to join, and I've got a spot with your name on it. Don't let another week, month, year, or even decade pass you by without owning the vision for who you want to become and the impact you want to make while you're alive. This is five free days of learning from incredible world leaders, helping you to uncover who you truly are and leading you to craft a roadmap and set goals aligned with the future meant for you. This is important. Join me and other amazing global leaders and experts to help you own your future starting May 11th. You can join right now for free at jennaschallenge.com. That's jennaschallenge.com for the five-day Own Your Future Challenge. I can't wait to see you there. You're listening to the Gold Digger Podcast. Work smarter, not harder. How many times have you guys heard that in your life? Like that's the ultimate goal, but it's not always the starting point. In fact, I can't think of a single time that that was the starting point. It can take years to get your business to a place where it's running itself, where you're making money while you sleep, or you're not burning the midnight oil every single night. Now, I love sharing my own strategies on this show for efficient workflows and for staying productive. But today with my guest, we are looking at the actual science and the data behind it all. It is straight up fascinating. And I have never heard it explained in the way that our guest, Kate Northup, is going to do. Now, she teaches data-driven and soul-driven time and energy management practices that result in saving time, making more money, and experiencing less stress. Like, check, check, and check. Am I right? And Kate is an author, an educator, a speaker, and today she is on the podcast. So I am so excited for you to tune into this conversation. My mind is literally blown. Are you guys ready? Let's do this. You're listening to the Gold Digger Podcast, where we firmly believe that work doesn't have to feel like work. Self-made millionaire and marketing guru Jenna Kutcher will help you redefine what success looks like. It's time to hear from the experts, listen in on honest conversations, and learn the best tips and tricks that helped others pave their own way and craft their dream career. If you're ready to dig in, do the work, and tackle your biggest goals, you're in the right place. Here's your host, educator, photographer, and mac and cheese lover, Jenna Kutcher. Thanks to LinkedIn for supporting Gold Digger. LinkedIn Jobs makes it easy to get matched with quality candidates who make the most sense for your role. Post a job today at linkedin.com slash golddigger and get $50 off your first job posting. This episode is sponsored by a fertility product that I swear by. If you've ever struggled to conceive, then you know getting pregnant isn't always easy. Ava is clinically proven to detect the five most fertile days of your cycle. Receive $20 off your order by going to avawomen.com slash golddigger and using the code golddigger. 
Okay, Kate, I had so many friends like coming at me. It was just, it was a week of Kate in my life where they were like, you have to get Kate on your podcast. Amy Porterfield, Amber Lillystrom, they were all just like rooting for you. And so I was like, let's get this girl on the show. So welcome to the Gold Digger podcast. Thank you. I'm so thrilled to be here. Well, I'm holding your book in my hands and I was so excited when it landed here. But for people that don't know you and what you've created and what your story is, give us a five minute spiel of who is Kate and what do you do? Well, I'm I mean, right now, I feel like I'm quite consumed by the fact that I'm a mother of two little girls. I have a (laughs) one year old and a three and a half year old. And I run a company. I run a seven figure company with my husband, Mike. We live in a small town in Maine. And I got started in my early 20s, oddly, by getting into a bunch of credit card debt, which you would not expect that as the beginning of (laughs) building an empire story. But I got myself into a bunch of credit card debt. And it was through that journey that I went on this whole experience of really figuring out how to handle my finances from a place of love as opposed to from a place of shame. And that birthed my first book called Money, A Love Story. But then I really like got married and became a mom. And I would imagine that, you know, I know your story transitioning from being a wedding photographer into what you do now. Like I just what I used to do just wasn't working for me anymore. And I got married and had one kid. And I felt a little, to be honest, I think from the outside, you would have never known this, but behind the scenes, I just didn't know what I was doing. Like, I just was like, all my other friends who came out with books at the same time seemed like they were on to the next big thing. And they all seemed like they knew what they were doing. And I just was here, like, I don't know what's I don't have the next big idea. And my publisher had come looking for another book and I just didn't want to be another person selling the same idea over and over and over again, repackaged. So even though I knew I could write another book about money, I just, I knew I didn't have anything new to say. So from an integrity standpoint, I laid low and it was through that experience and then having my first daughter and going through a really tough pregnancy. I mean, I very rarely hear about non-tough pregnancies. So just really hard time. I was so tired, but my husband and I, we make the money. I didn't have maternity leave. I didn't have, you know, a trust fund. I didn't have any way to make money other than what we bring in in our company. And so while I was pregnant, I was so tired and I could not, I could barely function. I was taking like three hour naps a day, not, not having any ideas. My brain was just fogged up. And so we had to figure out, okay, well, if we're going to survive and pay medical bills and pay our team and run our company, we still have to make money, but how are we going to make money with a baby with less working hours with way less energy and massively contracted time. And then I went through a semi-traumatic birth experience and then our baby was sick the first year and she's fine now. But it was a really rocky time. And I went from working like, you know, 50 hours a week as an entrepreneur, sometimes 60, probably sometimes to working like less than 20. And in that first year of motherhood, I only had 10 hours a week of childcare. And the punchline is our business did not collapse, which I actually was shocked by. And I I was so emotionally strung out during that first year. Partially, I honestly didn't even care. I was just like, I don't even know what's going on with our company. But what I realized in retrospect is when we sat down with our accountant and we realized our business had actually grown during that incredibly difficult year, 
I thought, well, then what the heck was I doing working 50, 60 hours a week before if I can get the same results in 10 to 20 hours a week? Mm -hmm. What is going on? And so that's where Do Less came from. And that's really what I teach now, which is teaching female entrepreneurs how to get better results in less time with less stress. Well, I think we need that. <laughs> I'm like sitting here and I'm like, uh-huh, take me to church, Kate. Like this, this is needed. And I mean, you know, like I'm going through this exact season in my life in this transition. And I mean, is it really possible to work less and like be more productive? Because I'm I'm laughing as you're talking because I legitimately have 22 tabs open and that's how my brain feels right now. <laughs> Yeah, it's such a great question. I mean, to be perfectly honest, I am also a 22 tab type woman. So I, just want, I just want those listening to know okay, I'm, I'm not, not alone. Yeah, I'm not hyper organized. I'm not like one of those people you would meet. I mean, this morning is a perfect example. A meeting went over and I was all spazzed out. I realized I forgot to put money in the parking thing and I got a parking ticket and I forgot to send the bottle to daycare with my baby. Like it was just, you know, I'm not, <laughs> it's not about perfection, but it is about, I really, not only my lived experience and working with thousands of women, but the data actually shows that we do our most effective work when we take a lot of breaks. And I can tell you it's exactly 50 minutes on, 17 minutes off is what the data shows, but you can do whatever works for you. And that we actually, we have an obsession in our culture that like more but in seat time means more results. But if you actually track your time and if you actually track your results, there's a lot of time that we're just sitting there staying busy because our culture has taught us that being busy means we're valuable. That's not true. I've been thinking about that actually quite a bit because do you ever and and this applies to for people that do not have children, but sometimes I'm like, what did I do all day before I had a kid? Like, how was I even working 10 hour days? Like, what was I even doing? And sometimes I feel like it's those days where you're sitting there almost refreshing your inbox, waiting for a new email to jump in so that you can keep working. Can you relate to that at all? I can completely relate to that. And that's really, that's what I used to work like before becoming a mother. I mean, whether you're a mother or, you know, you have fur babies or you're caring for an aging parent. I mean, there's so many scenarios where our time suddenly gets contracted. And we all know the phrase, if you want something done, ask a busy person to do it. Because when you have more on your plate, you become more effective. And the things that you used to spend five hours on now take an hour or now take, you know, two hours. And I've figured out the hard way and also somewhat by accident, some really specific ways that we can use that to our advantage. And actually, you know, it's kind of like the idea that if you want to eat less food, you just eat on smaller plates, which I'm not really into the weight loss conversation at all, but it is a good <laughs> example of that, that it's the same thing with our time when we can get ourselves blocked off and get ourselves organized correctly around our priorities, then we actually get a lot more done in a lot less time. And then we'll have time to you know, take our dog for a walk, be with our family, snuggle with our baby, do whatever, because it doesn't actually need to take as much time as we give things. Mm -hmm. So... I'm curious because, I mean, you went through kind of a life-changing experience, obviously, that kind of led you to this. But let's say someone's listening to this show. This would totally be me before I had Conley. Like, 
I was a self-identified workaholic and I love, I love what I do. Like I love it. And I don't use the term workaholic as like a martyr term, but like, how can you start to shift to actually, you know, get to a place where you can either make the same or make more or work less or like whatever that looks like in terms of the value of time versus money? Where do you start with this? Yeah. So I also can identify with workaholic tendencies. I was also raised by two people who I would say could identify with that as well. So I think a lot of us come by it honestly. And I actually think our culture is a little bit workaholic. Just this tendency to think that our salvation or our value lives in work. And by the way, I also love what I do. And I consider working to be a break in some ways, especially having two kids. <laughs> yeah. I'll just go sit by myself in the office. But I will say, I think that if you, here's the deal. If things aren't broken, no need to fix them. But if somebody's listening to this episode, there's probably a reason for that. And it may be because a relationship is suffering, but oftentimes it's because our health begins to fail. You know, adrenal fatigue is rampant among women from just the go, go, go in our adrenal glands and our health really can't take it. And over time, that will take a toll on all kinds of systems in your body. And so if there's a problem, if you can identify, okay, I actually am working too much. I'm anxious. I have adrenal fatigue. You know, I'm not sleeping well. I'm not spending time with the people that matter most to me. I feel like I'm distracted all the time. I feel like I'm on my phone all the time. Well, then I really recommend backing it up and just asking yourself and literally making a list of what is the highest and best use of your time. And I like to take people through a quick activity. Is it okay if I just share that? Please do. Okay, great. I'm ready. So Okay, great. I'm sure, Jenna, obviously you've heard of Pareto's principle, the 80-20 rule. I would imagine you've implemented it in your own business. So the 80-20 rule says that 80% of our results will come from 20% of our actions and 80% of our sales will come from 20% of our customers. You know, you can extrapolate it across a lot of different areas of your life and business. But let's just say that 80% of your results will come from 20% of your activities. So what I recommend, because I had heard about this from Tim Ferriss, I'd heard about this from a lot of people, but no one had ever presented a way to actually come up with what that 20% was. And it was more of a theory. And so I like things practical. So what I recommend is to get out a piece of paper and on the right-hand side, make a list of your biggest career wins or your biggest business wins, you know, career or business wins. So that could be, you know, signing your first client. It could be, you know, getting your first speaking deal. It could be, I don't know, like what your business is, but that would be, you know, some examples. And then on the left-hand side, write out a list of the activities that you do on a regular basis in your workday. You know, checking emails, going to meetings, writing a brief, doing a presentation, whatever it may be. And then draw a line from the big wins on the right to the activity that directly led to that big win. And obviously, the ones on the left that have a line drawn to them, to the right-hand side, to the big win side, are going to be your 20%. And what I recommend is over time, you're never going to get to 100% of time spent on that 20%. That's just ridiculous and perfectionistic. But over time, you want to be blocking more and more time for that 20% so that you can, let's say, get 80% more results from working, let's say, two hours a day on your 20%. You'll get 80% more results than working 40 hours a week on 
the things that are not those 20%. Because you can be busy all you want answering emails and doing things that don't move the needle. And it might give you a sense of like, wow, I accomplished a lot at the end of the week. But what I'd really like to see people doing more and more of is changing their sense of worth and that sense where they're checking in on how much they accomplished to looking at A, how good do they feel? How do they feel at the end of the day? And then B, what results did they get? Because you can feel really good and get awesome results in an hour a day. You know, it's like blowing my mind right now about what you're saying is that I feel like a lot of people are going to listen to this and they're going to think, oh, you know, tomorrow I'll sit down and I'll do this. But the people that will be successful are going to be the ones that actually do this and can link what they're doing work-wise to results. And I feel like when you're saying this, there is a huge gap that like, let's say me and you, Kate, we were sitting in a room with 10 entrepreneurs. And we ask them to tell us, you know, what is moving the needle the most in your business? And what are your conversion percentage? Or what is your cost per conversion? Or, you know, how is this growing your business? I feel like a lot of people wouldn't be able to speak to that. Do you ever like encounter that? Or do you, I feel like a lot of times we're saying, well, I wrote a blog post today, but like, how is that actually moving the needle? Right. And I've heard you talk about how much you like to look at analytics. And so this is a big missing piece, especially for the kind of entrepreneurs who I work with, which is more of the creative, you know, right brain type. And so it's so important. And this is what I talk. One of the things that I, I talk about is something called the upward cycle of success, that there are these four key aspects of a project, four seasons of a project. And as entrepreneurs, we really like the first two. And the first one is emergence, which is like the springtime of a project. And then the second is visibility, which is like the summertime of a project. So springtime is like brainstorming and starting and planning. And then the summertime is like getting it out there, launching, right? The blog post is live. The the launch is happening. You're on the stage. And then what we forget is the whole back end of the cycle, which is what I call culmination, which is like the energy of autumn. And then the fertile void, which is the energy of winter. And the problem is, and I'm coming back around to what you were yeah, just no, asking no, no, me, is, I great. is that as entrepreneurs, we are addicted because we're enthusiastic and we are generally really good starters. We tend to not be as good finishers. Yep. And so we skip the culmination and the fertile void. And here's what's key about these two phases. The culmination phase of a project is the time when you sit down and you do the post-game analysis and you say, okay, what worked, what didn't work, what were our open rates, what were, you know, what, whatever analytics you're looking at, what was the conversion rate, which posts are doing well, what type of posts. Okay, great. So that next time around, when you're in that emergence phase planning out, you can actually be going upward with the upward cycle of success, like a spiral staircase so that you are, of course, revisiting the same phases over and over and over again, but you're actually making progress instead of just what, you know, what I'll hear from a lot of people is like, well, I'm just really stuck and I keep doing the same thing over and over (laughs) again and it's not working. And it's because we haven't paused. We think that action automatically equals growth and it actually doesn't. A lot of action is just wasted time. 
Yeah. So that slowing down and having that, you know, it's like, co- <laughs> it's like cozy sweater weather energy <laughs> for your business where you get a cup of tea and you get, you know, you get out your little analytics and you get cozy with them and you look at them because those details really matter and they will save you a ton of Oh, time. I am like face palming myself because I can think of exact instances where I've avoided those last two seasons. Yep. And, you know, like we finished one year and we started digging in because I feel like a lot of people wait for permission to dig into results. Does that make sense? Or do you agree? Kind of like, like it's the end of the year or it's tax time or it's, you know, like that's when we like actually assess things. And I remember it was two years ago, we finished the year and we had created 52 new freebies. And, you know, most of our time was spent on creating. And what you're saying about the 80-20 is something I have kind of adopted in a different way too, in a marketing way where it's like, instead of creating 80% of the time and, and promoting 20, like create 20% of the time, make three great opt-ins and share them more freely. And so I feel like it can apply in so many different ways. And thus you're doing less work, but you're getting bigger results. And so what you're saying is 100 bajillion percent true. And I think as entrepreneurs, you know, we love to say like we're multi-passionate and we're multifaceted and we have all these ideas. So how do you kind of balance the passion with results? Because I think Mm. that that is where a lot of people get that discomfort of like, but I have all these ideas. So what does that look like in terms of being an entrepreneur to you? Great. One of the things that's really helpful about having like a mortgage and children (laughs) to feed is that I have to get results. And so luckily, the great news is as an entrepreneur, if you want to keep the lights on, you have to get results. So we have to get serious. And I think, you know, I think it's really a moment of one time my husband said to me, honey, do you feel like we run a business or do you feel like you get paid to journal? (laughs) (laughs) I was like, well, I feel like we, I get paid to journal. And that was a big turning point for me because I really needed to put on my big girl pants and begin to take it seriously. And when I did, I'll tell you what I started to do. So I'm an idea machine. I'm sure you're an idea machine. I'm it's you know, annoying. Like <laughs> you have no lack of ideas. That's never the problem. It's the finishing yeah. what we start. And so here's what I recommend doing. I recommend having a great system where you capture your ideas. So I'll just tell you what I do. And of course, everybody can create their own system. It doesn't matter what the system is. It just matters that you have a system. And so I use, we use Teamwork, which is our project management software in our company. And we have these different notebooks. And I have a place for my ideas for this project and that project and my content for my membership and blog posts and podcasts and And so, and marketing ideas, and then I have a swipe file for like ads that I see that I think are great that I want to, you know, model mine after and, and all of the ideas. And then we just capture them and we schedule in time where then for the next launch or the next promotion, we're then looking at those ideas. And when I sit down and I batch blog posts, I look at my list of ideas or when I and batching podcast episodes, we look at our list of ideas. And so it really just, I love really talking about the dance of the masculine and the feminine in business. The feminine is the ideas. It's sort of the creative chaos. And the masculine is the structures to hold it, right? We all need both. And that scheduling and that planning and looking ahead. I mean, that's why I just, I swear by an annual planning ritual. My husband and I take a whole week off and make sure we have 
kids in childcare. And we plan out the year so that we don't initiate 10 projects at the same time, because when we used to do that, we made a lot less money and we were way more stressed out. I've been open about my fertility journey that led us to our sweet baby because I know so many women went through and are still going through exactly what we did. Now, one thing that really helped me to understand my body better in the process was my Ava bracelet. Ava is dedicated to advancing women's health and to breaking taboos around discussing the menstrual cycle like we're doing right now on the show today. Ava is a CE certified medical device that tracks certain health data like sleep, physiological stress, pulse, and more. And it detects different phases of the menstrual cycle in real time. It tracks your fertility so there's no more guessing games. Ava is clinically proven to detect the five most fertile days of your cycle. So if you are trying to get pregnant, it can help you with that. And if you are pregnant, Ava can track general health during your pregnancy, as well as give you a week by week update on what to expect at each stage. It's only worn at night, so you can go to sleep wearing it and wake up to all kinds of insight about your health. It's finally time for us to understand our bodies. You'll receive $20 off your order by going to avawomen.com slash gold digger with my code gold digger. That's avawomen.com slash gold digger code gold digger. Ava for wherever you are in your life. One of the best decisions I've made in my business is hiring a team. I love using LinkedIn to help me find new members of my team because it's not like a traditional job board. People go to LinkedIn every day to make new connections and find new opportunities. Posting my job openings on LinkedIn means it's landing in front of qualified people who want to grow their career. A new hire is made every 10 seconds on LinkedIn. I'm part of that number because I just hired a new team member on LinkedIn last month. The best candidates floated to the top of the applicant list because I could search for the keywords and the skills that I needed. If you're just posting your ad on social media or tacking it onto a random job board, chances are you're not reaching the right people. And why would you want the future of your business in the hands of someone who isn't absolutely perfect for the role? Hurry to linkedin.com slash gold digger and get $50 off your first job post. That's linkedin.com slash gold digger. Get $50 off of your first job posting. LinkedIn.com slash gold digger. Terms and conditions apply. That's super powerful. And for people that don't understand batch working or anything, I have a full episode, episode 206, and it's just about saving yourself time in batch working, which I love that you do that because that's exactly how we are able to get stuff done and to really kind of compartmentalize the ideas. Because I think too, you know, when you have so many ideas, it's important to really like focus and like kind of be linear with one before you move on to the next. Is that kind of what you found with the different facets of your business and the way that you create? Absolutely. So when I start a new idea before I finish the last one, it cannibalizes on the first idea. And then I end up having two half-baked ideas, neither of which end up working out that well. And so it really, I will say, this is a muscle. This is a muscle that we have to strengthen with our enthusiasm. It's it's like a a (laughs) practice in temperance and really saying, okay, I know I have this great idea and I know I want to take action on it, but you have to discipline yourself to get that burst of satisfaction from writing down the idea And then you can revisit it. You can give yourself permission to revisit it. Some people have an idea file. Some people have an idea jar where they write down their ideas and then they'll go look at the jar and throw out the ones. Because I also have to tell you, 
I'm like at least 50% of the time, an idea that I thought was genius in the moment. I look back at it and I'm like, that was actually a really dumb idea. And I'm so glad I didn't waste any of my hours on starting it. Yep. Oh, amen. Yeah. And that's really that we have in our company an idea vetting document where it has about eight different questions that we ask ourselves before initiating a project. Ooh, can you think of any of those questions? I'm curious. Absolutely. Okay. So one of them is <laughs> so simple, right? The simplest stuff is always the best. <laughs> what is the goal of this promotion? Yeah. What yeah. is the goal of this promotion? What's our intention here? And how is it connected to our larger goals for the company for the year? Because if it's not, then we have to either change our entire plan for the company for the year, or we just don't do the project. Also, who is this intended for? And is that person in our current market? Because again, like my husband and I could, for example, launch an entire program for couples who build businesses together. But have we grown a list of couples who build business together? No, Mm -hmm. (laughs) it wouldn't make any sense. So that and then also really, really getting clear on what's the runway for this project. Also, I really believe in a longer runway. I learned this from my friend Stu McLaren, that the longer the runway we give ourselves, the bigger the result. And that's the slowing down piece. So rather than get a great idea and launch it next week, I now get a great idea. And then honestly, like we're looking at summer or fall to to roll it out because I want to give myself enough time to make it excellent and enough time for our audience to get warmed up because I think the internet has shifted and I don't know what you're experiencing in your business, but you know, back when I started in 2008, it was like, oh, send an email, make a sale. And there are just so many more people and people are savvier and they need to be warmed up. So we can no longer ask people to marry us on the first date. We have to give the care and give the nurturing and build that relationship over time. And that's why the longer runway and slowing down and building in more fertile void between projects will really help you get, I talk about how you get fewer harvests, but more abundant ones. Yes. And I feel like a longer runway too kind of tests how passionate you are about that idea. Like if you are willing to like wait and meditate and sit on it a little bit longer, it's probably a good sign that you care enough about it to follow through on it. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's kind of like shopping. I was just, I had to go out and do something this morning and I was looking at a pair of pants that I really loved. And, and then I thought, well, you know what, if I'm still thinking about them yes. week when I'm in Portland, going to the big city, um, I will have and buy the pants. <laughs> Same. That's exactly how I shop. It drives Drew crazy because it means we have to go in the shops more than once. But I'm like, if I still think about it in two hours, then I probably like it. Exactly. And <laughs> do you think that that like that deepening experience? I, it's just it's a deepening of a relationship with ourselves. It's also what that will do. The slowing down before you make a decision or before you press go on a project, it will build your relationship with yourself so that you're no longer as much in the cycle of addiction to busyness and instead becoming more comfortable with the space and the pause. And, you know, Steve Jobs said he was more proud of the things that he didn't do at Apple that they didn't do than he ever was about the things that they did do because the things that they didn't do allowed the space and time for the things that they did do. So that's, that's something that I think about all the time. I think that's so cool. And I've experienced exactly what you're talking about in different ways as well in terms of kind of cutting back, yielding more because I had like more bandwidth and more time. So 
speaking of time, I'm like a huge lover of productivity hacks and tips. And you've already given us some about batch working and, you know, setting out schedules and that kind of stuff. Do you have any other like hidden tips that can allow us, even if we're workaholics or wherever we are at today, to just become a little bit more productive when we're working? Yes. This one is for the ladies. And I think this tip (laughs) is maybe going to surprise some of you, but... I, so I was actually raised by a gynecologist who's like, she's, you know, Miss Women's Wisdom. So one would think I was actually interviewed for a period documentary because they assumed that I was like raised in such a period positive household that I would have some incredible relationship, you know, with my cycle. And to be honest, I didn't really even pay attention to having a cycle until after my first daughter was born. So I was like 34. And somehow, I don't know, when my period came back, all of a sudden, I was like, wait a second, this is kind of cool. And I think it was the fact that I had just made a human and I was like kind of in awe of my body. And I started actually tracking not just when I was going to get my period, because I had always done that, but the other three phases. And I just, I'm so sad that this is not taught in sex ed growing up or in health class, because I really think that little girls or girls are being robbed of some really important information. So our brains are wired perfectly for four very distinct, very crucial types of productivity throughout the month at different times. So men cycle hormonally on a 24-hour cycle. Women cycle hormonally about every 28 days. And yet our world and all the planners are set up to assume that we are going to show up and be the exact same as we were the day before. And then the culture tells women that they're crazy because we're not the exact same as we were the day before. But we actually (laughs) are incredibly predictable, just not over a 24-hour cycle. It's over a 28-day cycle. So my recommendation, if you really want to hack your productivity, this works wonders. It's so incredible is to track your cycle and to not only track when you're in the menstrual phase, but actually even more importantly, to track when you're in the follicular phase, because that's when you're going to be super high energy and your brain is wired to have brilliant ideas. So that's like the springtime of your cycle. It's the week after you have your period. It's the time to brainstorm, to plan, to get all your ideas out and to initiate projects. And your brain is poised to be brilliant at that during that time. So if you're batching, that's a really great time for planning your editorial planning once a month. And then the next one is your ovulation phase. We're more familiar with that, especially people, you know, who have either tried to get pregnant or tried not to get pregnant. And that's the time when we're actually, our brain is the most verbal. Our, all the verbal centers in your brain will light up the most. You're the most fluent. So that's a really great time, for example, to batch podcast interviews or video shoots or speaking gigs or workshops or whatever, you know, the talking stuff, the stuff when you're out there, pitches. And it's our most receptive time as well. So it's a great time for networking. Waitresses actually report that they have their highest tips during ovulation. So there's something very real that we become really attractive during that time. And I don't mean just sexually, I mean, just like in general, energetically. And then the luteal phase, I love the luteal phase. It gets a very bad rap in our culture as PMS, but It's the time when you want to turn within. It's the autumn of your cycle. And it's the time when your brain is the most detail-oriented. So that's a really good time to be looking at your analytics and finishing up the projects and doing all that kind of like ticky-tacky stuff. At that time, it's actually about 10 days long. Your body is so brilliant. It's made the luteal phase longer than the other phases because it takes longer to finish projects than it does to start them. 
And so that's the time for more detail-oriented work, sitting by yourself, just getting the content written you know, finishing the book, whatever you're doing, doing the photo editing. And then the menstrual time is the time when your left hemisphere and your right hemisphere are the most cross-wired, meaning you're going to be the most intuitive and you'll get your greatest sense of what needs to shift during that time. So meaning it's a really great time for evaluation, for research, and for really reflecting on what's working and what's not working. So that's a big productivity hack that I don't think enough people are talking about is lining up what you're working on with your cycle to the best degree that you can. I mean, you can't control everything. So this is mind blowing. And this is in chapter eight of your book, because I uh, read that part. And I I was just kind of shocked that like we've never talked about that or like we I don't know. I personally feel like our culture has robbed us Mm -hmm. of amazing information and when I really learned about it, I was in my mid thirties and one would think I would have already known, but given, you know, how I was raised, but I just somehow didn't. So it's really exciting. I think it's incredible. And I mean, there are so many things where I'm like, why is there a stigma around any, anything anymore? But especially around periods, I think that like, it's something we go through every single month. And I just giggle like when you think about the days where you would like hide a tampon up your sleeve (laughs) so that no one would know that you were a female and that something was happening to you. Like, it's just crazy to me. But I, I think that it's incredible to think about that. And I think it kind of gives you that seasonal glimpse that you experience within the year, within a month time span where you can kind of see like, yes, I can complete this cycle and see bigger results. And then imagine, Imagine what that would look like if you looked at it from a year at a glance and really embraced each season for what it was in terms of starting and completing a project. I think that's incredible. It's really fun when you start overlaying the cyclical thinking. And I love what you just said, embracing each season for what Mm -hmm. it is. Mm -hmm. That's really the big wisdom here is that if we can honor not only the season of life that we're in, but also the season of business that we're in, and even the season of the month, we get bigger results in a lot less time and much more importantly, without beating ourselves up or Mm -hmm. thinking that we're wrong for not feeling differently than we do. Because Mm -hmm. every way that we feel, every energy surge, every energy ebb is divinely designed for our ultimate productivity. You know, I love the quote, it's from Lao Tzu, nature never rushes, yet everything gets done. Yep. And it's just so powerful. Oh, I'm just kind of giggling right now, imagining like looping my team in and being like, hey, guys, we got to schedule all my interviews during this week because that is when I'm going to be most on my game. They're going to all know when my cycle is now. It's going to be awesome. Amazing. And wouldn't that be like, I, I hope that there's a time in the future when that's like more of a normal thing, like you talked about with this, you know, destigmatizing the cycle, which is like responsible for all human life. Oh, amen. Amen to that. So one thing I kind of giggled about because your book landed in my mailbox about a week ago and it's titled Do Less and it's a revolutionary approach to time and energy management for busy moms. And I kind of giggled to myself because I was like, I am a busy mom. Where do I find the time to read this book? And so kind of give me like a synopsis of what this approach looks like, essentially in terms of staying in your career and like inspired and creating, but also kind of separating that to be present as a mom. Cause I feel like 
there is no balance. And I think that's something that the earlier you accept that, the earlier you give yourself grace, but kind of fill us in on, on your philosophy and what that looks like. Yeah, thank you for and I, I totally get it. It is kind of hilarious to write a book for busy moms because it is like, when are they going to read? I will say the book is out on audio. So that's a possibility. And I did find like, here's the thing. It's all about what matters to us. But what's so important to know is that your priorities do not have to be the same as your mother's priorities or your neighbor's priorities or your best girlfriend from high school. So I have different friends who have very different styles of mothering than I do. And like my best, best friend, she's a very different kind of mother. And here's what we need to know is that it doesn't matter what other people are doing. It just matters that we feel good about the way we're choosing to do it. And this really touches in on the mom guilt conversation. And I don't know, Jenna, for you, you know, you're three months in, I don't know if you've already started to feel mom guilt or not. Have you? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's different than it's showing up differently than I thought. Cause I thought I would feel guilty for working, but I feel empowered in working just being like, Hey, like I am creating this incredible life and opportunity for you, but it shows up in different ways. Like if she's sleeping and I'm working and then she wakes up, I feel like, oh my gosh, like, what do I do? What do I choose right now in this moment? And things like that, where it's like these little infinite small moments where it's like, what is the better move, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And so it is going to shift every day and it's going to shift as she changes and it's going to shift as you change. And that's what I've found. You know, I'm only three and a half years into motherhood, but again, back to the seasons, like honoring the seasons that our kids are in and honoring the seasons that we are in. And for me, that changes on a week to week basis based on their energy levels, my energy levels. Honestly, my kids go wacko around the full moon. So based on what the moon is doing is really real for us. And so here's what I recommend. I recommend having a weekly planning ritual. It doesn't have to take more than 10 minutes. I mean, we're talking, I like to do everything efficiently, so I'm not doing like big old things. I just don't have time and I don't want to. And so where you're really checking in, like what is needed this week, because this keeps us in touch with what's actually happening now, not what happened last week and not what is happening the week after, but what is happening right now. And what do I need this week? What does my body need? I really go with the mantra body first, business second, especially as a mother. If you go down, your kids are going to be kind of screwed. I mean, the truth is like we have to take care of ourselves in order for our kids to to do well. And I learned that when I was nursing and not taking as good care of myself, my milk supply dropped away. And I was like, oh, oh, wow, my kid literally can't eat because I didn't prioritize my well-being. Wow. That was pretty profound. And so the whole idea is be clear on the kind of mother you want to be for this season of your life and this season of your children's lives. And know that it's okay if that shifts in a month or two months, because we are ever changing, evolving people. You were not the same person you were a year ago. I'm not the same person I'm going to be in six months. And so I think having that flexibility and grace with ourselves is so critical and divorcing from the picture that we had in our head of what it was going to look like and actually like digging in and being in the life we actually have. And how can we live the best in the life we actually have today? Or even just you know, I found when when my baby, my first baby was super, super tiny, I really had to go hour by hour. It was yes. like, okay, how can I be the, how can I be proud of how I'm being in this hour? How can I enjoy this hour? Because if I thought too far in advance, I just got, it was really hard. 
Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm laughing right now because I'm in our guest bedroom closet with quilts hanging up on the wall to help soundproof. And I could rent a studio and get out for the day, but I want to be able to feed my child when she's hungry. And, you know, it's different. And and accepting that differentness and just kind of like opening my palms again, saying like, I'm starting over just like I started a business years ago. I'm starting, you know, this new phase. And like, I have to be willing to be, you know, loosen my grip on control or what things look like or, you know, expectation to get back to kind of like, hey, this is hour by hour. And I think that's really helpful advice for anyone. It's like, what is this new hour going to look like? And what what will make it a success or not? And I don't believe in failure. So what would make it successful or needs a little tweaking? (laughs) Yeah, I love that. I love that. And one of the ideas that my sister actually gave me was to really look at, I look at the year as a cycle, like as a, you know, I don't know why, but I've always seen the year in a circle in my Mm -hmm. head. And she said, well, what if you looked at the day as a circle? So instead of looking at the day like as a little square, like the calendar, to look at 24 hours as though it were a pie, right? 24 slices of pie around a circle. So that as you're going through the day, instead of running out of time, you're actually moving back towards the beginning of a new day. And I thought that was so genius. And when I think about the day that way, and I think about my life that way, it feels really relaxing. And I think that the world could use more relaxed women. So that serves me so well, just to picture that and like, oh, yeah, I get to begin again anytime. Yeah, I love that. I think that's amazing. One thing that I love about the way that you teach and what really resonated with me is that you kind of look at things as an experiment. And I think that a lot of times as entrepreneurs, we forget, like I said, like things are not a success or a failure. Like when you experiment, you're looking at results and did this work or does it need tweaking or do I just need to let that piece go because it doesn't serve me? Explain a little bit about kind of the experiments that you did in order to see like, can I work less and still produce results and, and what that process looked like for you? Yeah. So basically all of this was looking backwards because there we were a year into parenthood. Our business had not collapsed. We were working way less. And I was like, well, how did this happen? It wasn't magic. Yeah. And so I looked back and I was able to codify what had happened. And one of the biggest pieces was that piece that I already shared was tracking, tracking my cycle and beginning to think cyclically about time. It was just, it revolutionized everything. And so I do have 14 little experiments because what, what I know busy moms do not need and busy people in general is a plan to overhaul our entire lives. Yeah. (laughs) Just too much. And so it's little things each day. And I think that one of the most important ones is to, receive help and ask for help. I mean, that for women is so huge. And when, and I still experiment with these things every day, like they're little, it's like little reps, of <laughs> little reps of asking for help. Yeah. And I do, you know, I'll just give a side note with that one to ask for help early, often, and kindly, because when we ask for help before we need it, it's so much easier to ask. And if we ask for help often, then it doesn't become this thing like, oh gosh, it's because I'm failing that I need help or, oh gosh, it's because, you know, I I can't do it. Then it becomes just like, oh no, it's because I'm a human being (laughs) and we all need help. And then the kindly piece is really served by asking early and asking often, because if you're in the habit of it, it doesn't become 
like you're screaming at your husband for, you know, I just for whatever, <laughs> not taking down, honey. <laughs> or what, yeah, exactly, whatever. But you're just you know, you're in a place, it's easier to be in a place of appreciation yeah. when asking for help is part of your daily flow as opposed to something you only do in emergencies. So that's one. And then really just these little ways, you know, simplifying your life, learning how to manage your energy instead of managing your time. That's a big one so that you have, because when we have more energy, we can expand time. It's magical. (laughs) And so all sorts of other different little things, but I like making things practical. I'm all about, I don't, I'm not a big theory person. I mean, it's, it's nice to get an idea, but if I can't apply it to my life, I'm not that interested. So, so that's why I like to keep things practical, like try this today and see what happens. I love that. I'm 100% with you on that. So Kate, where can everybody find you, follow you, check out your book, kind of give us all of the places? Because I think that even just starting to track cycles, I mean, that could change everything for women listening to the show or for men that are living with women. Absolutely. I think that that's huge. I mean, and letting the world know how they can support us. I mean, I think our men just so want to please us. And sometimes we make it so difficult for them to please us. And if we just let them in on what's happening with us, but the only way we can do that is to get to know ourselves. So yeah, so you can... You can get the book anywhere books are sold. And I do have some goodies that you can get when you get it over at katenorthup.com forward slash book. And then I hang out on Instagram. That's my primary platform. I know you're there a lot as well. And then katenorthup.com. Awesome, Kate. Thank you so much for just coming on and sharing your heart. I know with my season of life, it is so in alignment with everything I'm going through. So it's been just a really positive voice for me. Thank you, Jenna. You rock. Is anyone else's mind like absolutely blown? I mean, like I want to go out and track my cycles and have my team just be aligned on that. I cannot believe that we've never talked about this before. And I was going to apologize to the guys that listen to the show, but why would I apologize? Like this is something us women are going through every single month. And heck, if you live with a woman, um, you can just say thank you now because maybe you'll understand her a little bit better. What I love about Kate is that she approaches everything like an experiment. And I've talked about that a lot. I really don't believe that there are true failures in business. Um, When we approach things and look at it as an experiment, we can really just see what's working and what maybe needs a little tweaking. I'm really excited to dig into Kate's book. I have it in the palms of my hands right now. And just to learn a little bit more about the things that she's studied and the things that she's learned and just try them out. See if they work for me. I think it is so important as an entrepreneur to discern what is serving you and what you just need to simply let go of, what won't work for you. And there's absolutely no harm in that. And so today, my hope for you is this, that you look inward and ask yourself, is this something that could maybe help me? And if so, dig on in a little bit deeper and try it out. Everything in life is an experiment, my friend. Special thanks to Kate for joining me on this episode of the Gold Digger Podcast. And thank you all for tuning in today. I hope that today encouraged you to dig your biggest goals. Thanks for listening to the Gold Digger Podcast. Dive into the show notes for this episode and all past episodes at www.golddiggerpodcast.com. If you love the show, share it with a friend. The more the merrier. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time, you gold digger you.